Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm joined by Giles Aniam and Charlie East of Gunnerstown and Dan Zachiri of the Daily Telegraph. Gents, Giles walked in first today and I said, Giles, how are you? How was your weekend? And he said, well, it started okay. It wasn't a great week for the Gunners, was it? It was a bit of a damp squid, really, Sunday. Real letdown um, in terms of... Um, just the whole performance, really, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as the, as the evening goes on. But um, you know, I thought that you know we've been talking in the last few weeks, and I've been saying that you know everything that's happened before with the away form is gone, and right now we're down to our last six, seven, eight games. It's a six, seven, eight game final, and um, I was expecting a much better performance. I know they were mitigating circumstances in terms of the uh, personnel available, but um, you know. If this game was reversed, if this if this fixture was reversed at home, it might well have been a different outcome. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well. But um, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, Charlie, you were there. Yep, I was up there. Uh, <laughs> it's just very flat, wasn't it? It was just going up there. You think it was it was a game where I did tell people I was talking to people all week, and I thought it it was going to be a banana skin for us. I thought I didn't really fancy it yesterday. But getting up there, I just, I, for some reason. I think Everton are actually playing quite well at the moment. Um, and we I think a lot of people just wrote them off. Everyone was talking about Wolves and Leicester. But I thought Everton was going to be really, really tricky. And it proved to be yesterday. We, the starting lineup, obviously, I thought set the tone from people even up there. People didn't really fancy it. Um, and then we started off We started off all right. Lacazette had a chance and he went mm. through. And I thought he actually got fouled. I haven't seen it since. When, where I was, it looked like he actually got a whack as a foul yeah. as well. And then... They scored a goal. I just, it's sort of like it just as soon as they scored a goal, I just knew what was coming. Yeah, that's been a theme actually of a few away games. If you think back to Brighton and West Ham, the first five or ten minutes are actually quite promising. Mm. I think the Brighton game there was actually an early goal from Abamyang. Yeah. But the first sign of trouble or setback, it's oh oh no, here we go again, yeah. and it seems to slip back into the. Uh, unhappy old routine. So do you think that's a psychological problem then, Dan? Do you think as soon as it starts going wrong, they go, hang on, we're away and this is what we do away? I think it's got to that stage now, but I don't think that explains why Arsenal have been so poor away from home over a good two-year period now. Um, At the same time, I do think, um, as Charlie rightly says, there were mitigating factors yesterday. Uh, And if you said to an Arsenal fan in the summer, you'll go to Everton away without Hector Bellerin, Lauren Koscielny, Lucas Torreira... Granit Xhaka, Aaron Ramsey, they go, blimey, that could be a bit tough. Um, <laughs> so it was no great surprise it was difficult. Um, but that doesn't preclude Arsenal with the team they had out getting a result. And the team that was out there could have got a result on another day had they applied themselves in a better fashion and, and things uh, clicked far better than they did. Absolutely. Do you think this was a case of Arsenal being bad or was it a case of Everton being good or was it a bit of both? It was a bit of both. You know, um as the guys have already said, you know, once we get a, the first punch on the nose and everything kind of goes to pot, like a know. shark. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, credit to credit to Marco Silva. Yeah. Um, he'd done his homework on That's, us. I was, was going to say that. I mean, yeah. People were talking about how poor he was. Everyone come with a game plan, 
and that needs to be applauded. They, yeah. they, they beat Chelsea two weeks ago. Mm. Bit, they, they absolutely done a number on West Ham yeah. last week. They, yeah. Wasn't polite. No, but yeah. it was really good. They looked, they looked really good. Yeah. And I mean, this guy was very sought after for Everton, mm. and they wanted him for a very long time. He's a good manager. And it's taking time to get... But I, I generally think Everton will go on strength to strength from now. I'm not just saying now, but I thought he had his tactics spot on against us. You know what you said um, um, that was really alarming for me is all season, I think, Dan, you, you probably can allude to this, all season we've been really good on set pieces, defending set, set pieces, and the first set piece, even though, I mean, I think the, the throwing was legal anyway. I don't think, even if it was illegal, I mean... It's, it still doesn't. It still doesn't absolve anybody from the way we defended that that that, <clears> that throwing and that, that first set piece set the tone. You know, there was no no one was picking up anybody. No, it was all. I think they tried to call for offside. And about a minute before the throwing that did result in a goal, we actually got away with one slightly. We let yeah. it bounce, and Mustafi yeah. uh, shouldered the guy. You know, in the back, and it was soft. It was not a penalty, yeah. but it was a warning sign. Yeah. And then. Uh, that everyone's it? caught in their heels on the goal. It was a little bit unlucky. It ricocheted off Kalasnatch's shin and those sort of scabby goals from set pieces. You can you concede one or two of those a season. I but can we've sort been of really good. That. We've been really good. Yeah, particularly you know, from corners. Yeah, particularly from um, corners. You know, so I was quite. But quite the sort of the way we defend with a zonal marking, it, it defend, depends quite a lot on people attacking the ball, mm. <laughs> uh, individual attacking the ball. That's what it's about um, if you're going to defend in zones. So, uh, and they didn't do that on that occasion. So. Sorry, Sorry, it did disappoint me yesterday. I mean, I got in the ground literally dead on kickoff, and uh, I didn't. Re- I don't know. I didn't look at the Everton team, and uh, but no, I said to my friend, "Who scored that?" Because it was an old ground. I had this post in the way, so I looked. I thought it was offside at first. I generally so I've called for offside, and I see the <laughs> just in case the linesman was yeah. looking. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Charlie's got his yeah. hand up. <laughs> so I looked up. They went, "Oh, go for Everton." Feel Jackie Elka went, what? Jackie Elka? I didn't even know he was playing. I didn't even know he played anymore. It must be his first game this season, isn't it? Yeah, he, was, he wasn't even meant to start. He'd come, on, because, and, um, come on and scored a goal against Michael us. Michael Keane pulled up in the in the warm-up. Ugh. And that's why he started. That's classic Arsenal, though. Yeah, we always, yeah, yeah. If anyone hasn't scored for a very long time, you always get one against us. <laughs> you couldn't fault the defence for not appealing, though. They gave it a good old appeal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That was a good George Graham-style yeah. arms in the air shouting Unfortunately, at the, the ref was looking at Charlie, so he didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't see any of them. In terms of that dodginess off the set pieces, where's that come from? Because, Giles, you make the very good point. The one thing that Emery seems to have sorted out is Arsenal have been really robust defensively. So why the off day? Again, maybe mindset. I don't know. I mean... I, I'm beginning to think maybe there is some kind of stigma uh, that's attached to going away um, and the Jekyll and Hyde performances that we seem to to um, conjure up. I mean, I, I mean, I've I, I've I've I was I was staunchly against looking back in the past. <coughs> people, I was I've been arguing with people online saying, look, what's happened at Huddersfield or Cardiff or Brighton or whatever is in the past. This is you know we just got to look forward and and you know and, and the momentum we were gaining. It's the last month to six weeks. I thought, we, we, you know, we could at least come away with a point. But, you know, it was abject. There was no platform. There was there was a lot of weak mentality. Um, you know, Ozil had one of his not a, you know, very ineffective games. I mean, obviously, he had to come back deep to try and sort of like affect the game. But even then, he was being pushed. He was muscled off, uh, he was muscled off the ball by... I think Gay had a brilliant game, actually. I think it was superb, yeah. You know, he really took care of, a, of our players. Go on, Dan, you want to I say... Mean, the, the goal is an isolated moment and that's what loses you the game. I think it's probably more helpful to look at the performance as a whole and across 90 minutes, Arsenal had 56% of the ball and only mustered seven shots. And uh, I think the quality of the passing actually 
uh, was the biggest problem on the day. And this is something that I think, and I say this with some self-awareness because I work for the mainstream media, but I think this <laughs> is something that people, it tends to get overlooked with Arsenal because everyone thinks, oh, it's Arsenal, they pass the ball beautifully and they're Barcelona light. But I thought that the pace of passing uh, and choice of pass was a real issue. And part of that was, we'll get onto it, was the midfield pairing because they weren't showing for the ball off the back three uh, and we couldn't progress play uh, through the thirds. So what we kept seeing was short dribbled passes to feet rather than passes into space in front of players. And it just makes you uh, targets. You know, Everton just crashed through the back of Arsenal players all day. You say you say there's passes into it. Is that because of the kind of players that we had? We didn't, we had yep. more players that were on the ball kind of players rather than one-on-one yeah, yep. -on -one isolation kind of players that can run run beyond. Mkhitaryan's the only player the who, only can, player. who can sort yeah. of dribble. Yeah. Uh, and that, and His final ball was poor a lot yesterday, yeah. I thought. I thought. He looked like he hadn't played for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because mm. he, he, he played really well for a set time. We were talking about how mm. well him and Wobie had played yeah. before the international break. He came in again yesterday and I thought, okay, this. Let's see how he gets on. He was quite poor of his final ball. He was not dribbling, as you said, was really good, but his mm. actual final ball sometimes yeah. was a mm. lot. To, it was a shame because he's been very good since really? he's come back from injury. Yeah. And I think I said to somebody last week, if I was picking a team for a cup final, <coughs> he'd be one of the first names, I think, on the team sheet, no matter what system it was. I'd try and find a place for him because mm. I think he, he offers a lot and he offers some balance. But yeah, he, it just didn't come off for him. Having said that, I think I'd be happy to give the front three almost a bit of a pass yesterday because I think, there, as Giles said, there was no platform. No. There was no good quality ball getting into them uh, in good good positions, and you know all three of them rely on that. They're not. They're all very good players in their own right, but n n none of them are going to get on the ball, beat three players, mm. crash one in no the top corner. From yeah. you know they're not. You know, not talismanic in that in that sense. And also, they did a job on Kalashnikov because he's been our out yeah. down the left, and yeah. I thought they, and they, 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 they yeah. they'd stifled him out. Going back to the goal, we conceded um, without. I know we're going to talk about him going forward when we do have set pieces I don't know if people notice whenever we've got a set piece against us if you watch Emery go sit down and the car, that Carcino comes up and he directs on he, he, he's telling people what to do which he done yesterday but El Nene for example that's probably the first time first set piece we've had hmm. where he was involved in that and he's jumped up Mustafi they seem to sort of sort of hmm. get mixed up with each other I don't want to blame on an egg. I think he's got enough stick as it is. But maybe <laughs> he's, it, it would yeah, he's not used to doing that. He's not used to being in there. Maybe he's, he, I'm, I presume in training, he's not often involved mm. in the play. He's probably mm. one of the players that are he's probably throwing one of the attackers. <laughs> like to, yeah, he, he probably is. He's probably yeah. not involved in any yeah. of them. Because let's get that right. He's our sixth choice centre midfielder. Yeah. And we had to yeah. use our sixth choice, sixth, sixth choice centre midfielder yesterday. And that is... Yeah, that is a, the, the the up and down, the, yeah, the nuts and bolts of it. You know. I was interested to see a goal come from a long throw at all. It led to me having fever dreams of Ricardo Fuller circa two thousand and eight <laughs> for an entire <laughs> evening. City and what, yeah. Do you think they're not being used enough? Because they caused Arsenal problems back then. Since the era of Rory Delap, they've they've kind of gone the the javelin into the box, <clears> but they still <laughs> offer something. It's funny. Liverpool employ a throwing mm. coach, don't they? They do. Mm. Yeah. And that was that was quite highly spoken about. Doesn't he hold the world record? He's he's sort of a Scandinavian bloke who can throw a football something absolute, some ludicrous distance. Yeah. Joe, Joe Gomez takes France for doesn't he? And he does he does that that he launches right. him into the box, and Joe Gomez done mm. that at Charlton. He he did a lot more at Liverpool. Right. And they, and they, 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 so they maybe, work on it. Maybe it's a specialist. I don't know. I I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, is I it, think is the guy at Liverpool. I, I think where he uh, specialises is sort of the general throwings around the halfway line, because Liverpool are all about 
um, those few seconds after they win the ball back, exploiting teams when they're disorganised. And mm. I think he does a lot of stuff on like quick throw-ins, even from the halfway line, um, not necessarily down the line, which is the, the way we're all taught yep. when you play football, mm. you line it. Mm. Uh, Liverpool actually throw them inside sometimes if it's on into one of the central midfield players. And I think that gen- that's might be what they focus on a little right. bit. Right, so the but art of the long throw is generally... Yeah, you don't you don't see yeah. it so often now. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think if you've got the, got the right like, tools, it's effective. Yeah. If by the right tools you mean a bloke who can throw it really, well, really Look far. at the side of Kalasnach. <laughs> I, I fancy yeah. if a bit of practice, he could launch it into the box. <laughs> give, give him a javelin, it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, stay with us here on the Arsenal Fan Show because coming up, more analysis of that defeat to Everton. And if you'd like to weigh in, even if it's just to vent, that number is 0208 70 20 558 or it's at Lovesport Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And we were discussing responses to the Everton game after the break. Giles was saying, I've had some breathing time. I've had 24 hours to just calm and breathe deeply. And I'm now feeling okay. Whereas, Dan, you were saying, Mm. I was quite relaxed at the time. And now I've been simmering, if you like, for a day. And you're now furious. (laughs) <laughs> it, it might be because way. I watched uh, Wolves and Watford in the in the FA Cup semi-final how good and is I was, Dele Feo, I, I by was the way. more impressed with them than I was with Everton I, I agree with what Charlie said that Everton did have certainly did have a good game plan but I thought their quality on the ball was absolutely abysmal and that's probably what stopped them uh, winning by two or more yeah. goals uh, yesterday and I thought the standard of the game in the first half in general was was really really it's, poor it's so every, every five minutes there seemed to be a stoppage as well players down injured I don't quite know how there were only two minute stoppage time at the end of that first half <laughs> but yeah I just looked back on the game and thought yeah that I, I didn't think that was a great Everton team uh, and I think I said I thought before the game that if Arsenal could have won that game we might go on and win two or three of these away games off the back of it but having that seed of doubt cast after the first one is a worry when you go into a sequence of other away games so yeah I hope I'm wrong (laughs) I hope I look back and uh, I'm a lot more relaxed about it and we can write it off as a a bad day at the office where were the positive signs for Arsenal I saw some people on Twitter praising Bernd Leno saying actually it could have been quite a few more but he put in a very good shift I thought I thought Leno was excellent again yesterday just it is so assured with the ball at his feet which when with Peter Check, we've never had that <laughs> ball. Went, even even ones when Mustafi do a, a poor kick, he'd still bring it down, and you felt not once. And I thought, oh, here we go. And as much as he got a little bit of stick for the goal, and I give him, a, I'm his, definitely not his biggest uh, biggest fan. I just thought Mustafi was all right. Stuff. He was one of yeah, our better players. I mean, yeah. And we credit where credit's due. I thought mm-hmm. he was done all right. Um, Alex Iwobi coming off the bench and stuff. It was really good. Um, but other than that, it wasn't uh, keeping it to one. I thought Socrates had a. We could, as well as Lena, yeah, I think he had yeah, a well, yeah. big game. As I say, I, th- I think the front three and the back three, you could kind of contextualise and, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a pass. I think the problem was that kind of middle stripe across the pitch mm. of oh, the, yeah. the, the two wing backs uh, and the two midfielders. And the, the positioning of the two wing backs when you play that system is absolutely crucial. Mm. You hear Emery all the time talk about uh, finding our positioning on the pitch. And I think he. I think he's referring to the fullbacks quite often. If you think of that England Croatia semi final, because England played with Southgate, yeah. played the same system. When the wingbacks got pushed back and it became a five, the midfield two or three, it was two yesterday for Arsenal, and one of them in El Nenny is not particularly mobile, end up with the whole width of the pitch to cover, yeah. and it's just too much. And the opposition with a four have 
uh, two wide players and two fullbacks, so you get murdered down both flanks. And uh, I, I, as I say, I thought the service into the front three uh, wasn't particularly good, so you can sort of excuse that. And I thought the back three battled. They were badly exposed. They battled as hard as they could. There was no lack of effort there. You can pick holes in, certainly Mustafi, we do pick holes in him uh, every <laughs> week. And you and you could pick holes in Monreal and say, do Arsenal need somebody a bit more athletic and agile and quite faster there? Because it's a little bit too easy just to chip balls over his head and uh, you know, sprint past him. But they did the best they could, I thought. Um, it was the middle of the pitch where the, the real issue was. So in terms of the positioning of those wing-backs, whose fault is that? Did Emery get it wrong or is it a case of them being able to get forward more and pin the opposition back before they find themselves trapped? I think it's just a question of the quality of your football uh, and how you keep the ball. If you keep possession, it gives them time to get up the pitch. If you keep turning the ball over, while well, you know, particularly in your own half. I wrote something down today. It was a really interesting point in Danny Higginbottom's uh, column tactics column and he said that Arsenal have lost the ball in their own half 16 times more away from home than they have at home and that's in two fewer games so that tells you there's a little bit of a problem there in terms of dealing with pressure in our own half and that's not giving the wingbacks time to get up the pitch you know what Dan <clears throat> I saw on Statzone that the, the most prolific pass combinations were mm. Leno Socrates yep. Mustafi Leno <laughs> you know it's encouraging so stuff it, I think the problem you have with the back three, we Arsenal had it at West Ham as well, is when you come up against a team with one striker, mm. because you end up with three against one when you're playing out from the back, four against one if you include Leno. So that means elsewhere in the pitch, higher up, you're massively outnumbered. And you saw all throughout yesterday, Everton were able to double up on Arsenal's more attacking players and just smother them. And and, and, that, and that hurt us because we like to build play from the back. Yep. And yep. I think there was a it was too it's too static that like you say there was no there's no option for midfield to sort of like relieve that pressure. I noticed that yesterday. I mean, a couple of times, you're normally in the midfield, Jack would normally drop a little bit yeah. deeper when he'd, he'd come back in the back four if need be, and then he'd, he'd turn or Torreira would receive the ball straight away, touch out his feet, and he'd try yep. and travel a bit. El Nene yesterday. I don't want to keep digging him out. But he just keeps standing behind players. And yeah. I was going to show for him. Hiding in clean sight. And, you know, and Maitland-Niles was doing it a bit yesterday as well, yeah. I found. And Mustafi was getting the ball from Leno. He had nothing inside. Maitland-Niles would sort of stand right in. And yeah. Mustafi just had to knock it yeah. forward yeah. to maybe Mkhitaryan or Ozil and just no chance. To me, that's some, yeah, someone is trying to hide. Yeah. And it, I, I found Maitland-Niles, I think he was I think he was poor yesterday. Yeah, and he's so. been good lately. He's getting a, lot of, he's been getting a lot of praise from people. And he has done well. He's done the right things. Mm. But yesterday, I think... He just he, looked fatigued or not on it uh, or yeah, something. I've not looked in that point. The only other game I could, he stood out to me was bad was West Ham away. We lost one nil. Mm-hmm. It was exactly the same sort of performance that was as we had at West Ham. Mm-hmm. They got an early goal against us and we just we just couldn't do nothing. And we yep. I think one aspect where Arsenal have improved under Emery is adapting from game to game. And I think where you could maybe criticise them yesterday is that without the frontline central midfield players, maybe it was a day to say, do you know what, we're not going to play out, we're not going to build through the pitch like we usually do. Maybe it's a day to go a bit more direct, mm. play the two strikers. Uh, you know, milk turns faster than Phil Jagielka. We saw it actually, <laughs> the, actually the Arsenal's best two or three moments in the game. Sometimes it was from Mustafi actually, it was when they long. clipped the ball over the top for mm. Lacazette mm. and it didn't quite come off, but that, they were the, the, right, yeah. the idea. And maybe it was a day for just turning Everton round, sprinting after it, pressing up the pitch and trying to force Everton into errors in their own half uh, like Everton were doing to Arsenal. Mm. And that's something Arsenal have been quite good at, actually, at home. Um, but for some reason, they were very 
as I say, quite safe and passive and content to have the ball in, in their own half in not very dangerous areas and lots of sterile possession. We, we started off quite meekly last season. The correspondence fixture last season, I think we went a goal or so yeah. down. And then we kind of, as you were saying, we turned we them around. We turned out 5-2, you know, Yeah, you know, and we were pressing them high and we were, in, we were stressing them in areas that they didn't want to play in. But, we, yeah, the platform, we just struggled so yeah. much. And I, think I think the, it was, and I think that's probably I the think key. I think the start of the second half, we had a little lift when Ramsey came yeah. on and Aubameyang. We had that little 10-minute spell where it just seemed that we was, we was on it a bit more. We were pressing from the front. And then just wasn't sustained. it just went again. And Aubameyang yeah. stayed. I mean, I, you can never fault him because of the goals he scored. I mean, like he hasn't played loads of minutes, but he's still got the man he's his. He's two off of Aguero. And, but yesterday, I thought he was just... just wasn't not even there. It was just... It, it's difficult for him stuck out on the right yeah. wing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was out on the left wing just, a lot, you said, wasn't he? He is one of those players, and unfortunately, he's not going to. He's not going to change at his age. No. No. He's a player who gets on the end of things, and he needs service. He needs. But as you were just saying about the ball him. over the top, yeah, then maybe that's the one. Maybe you should have had him on the shoulder. Maybe a, a taking yeah, chance. Yeah. He's popping it over the top. So, I, I've thought for a few months something I wouldn't mind seeing, particularly if Arsenal go to four-two-three-one. <laughs> In away games, maybe, if, if Ozil isn't preferred in that number 10 position, is actually seeing Lacazette in the 10 totally with Aubameyang yeah, as a 9. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I which think it, I've said that. When they've played up front together, it's tended to be split. Mm. You know, one goes to the left, one goes to the right. But I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing that because I think... He's you good get, on the ball with Lacazette, isn't he? Yeah. He holds the ball up. He's quite, even yesterday, yeah. a little run, he'd get kicked he past a couple hard. of people. And, he's, he and you get... You get two goal-scoring options yeah. around the box. When, it, when Arsenal get the ball wide, you've then got Aubameyang on the six-yard line going front or back post and you've got Lacazette lurking round mm. for the cutback or right, the yeah. Yeah. round the edge of the area. If you've got Ramsey in there as well, mm. there's a third coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. absolutely. Yeah, I, I've, I've often wondered whether he can play because at Leon, he kind of, I could see him kind of developing into a 9 point one. And I looked at him this season and I thought to myself, you know, when we weren't playing Ramsey and there was, you know, there was all that stuff going on with those, I was thinking, this is the guy that could possibly play there because he likes to come short Yeah, he more. does like to come deep he's very good he's very safe with the ball at his feet you he's can not see bothered about winning it back either oh, nah. he, he's, he's, he's a hustler yeah. he's a hustler you know. I think he got protected from the ref yesterday no he got, I thought, he got butchered I thought, quite I thought, a lot I thought, we, I thought the ref was poor yesterday I think they yeah. got away with quite a lot he got butchered um, a lot and, and considering the first thing we done with Gunduzi and Socrates yellow card straight away yeah, yeah I found I think Zuma and Jagielka were really yeah. up it was quite quite aggressive and proper tackles. I think they could have been booked a couple of them early yeah. on. The Goodison Park howl is a real uh, sound to behold, isn't it? They do scream for decisions like no other crowd oh. in England. Oh, the atmosphere, yes, they were terrible. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, it was, even when they scored, it seemed quite flat. It wasn't yeah. loud. It was really bad atmosphere out there, so I was quite surprised about it. I'd be quite surprised to hear that. Yeah. Talking of things that were bad or certainly suboptimal, one man who's coming in for a lot of criticism is El Nenny. You've talked a lot, Dan, about that middle strip of the pitch being a problem. So in just a moment, we'll be talking about the central midfield. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm with Giles Aniam and Charlie East of Gunnerstown and Dan Zachiri of the Daily Telegraph. Delighted to have you along with us. We've been deconstructing that defeat against Everton, looking at where it all went wrong, and it keeps coming back to that midfield too. Did Emery get it wrong, or did he just not have the options? Uh, it all depends. He says he was informed by the doctor Ramsey wasn't fit. So if that if that's generally the case, then he has to go with that. He has to. Do you know what I mean? And, and other than that, he didn't have the options. 
I mean, what that is a sixth choice at midfield partnership. No, it, I know it might sound slightly naive, and journalists shouldn't take things at face value, but I tend to always put my faith in the club having more information than I do. Mm. And if they've been told Ramsey's can only play 45 minutes, then I'm inclined to believe that because, or else you just drive yourself mad. <laughs> really. my, my only, my only so. thing about that is, and I agree with what they're saying, you, you know, I, I don't think the club were lying, but I think as a player matures, he understands his body a bit better. And um, the manager said after the game that Ramsey came in, he said he's fit enough to play, he wanted to start, but the, the club erred on the side of caution. If it's a young player, I can understand, but I think Ramsey, when he got the injury, he called to the bench and said, "Look, I, you know, get me off, get me off." He, he understood. He knows. He knows his body. Mm. He's he's be, he's been susceptible to injuries for all his life, so he understands his body and he and he knows when he's you know he knows you know when 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 to listen to his body. And I think I think, and me and Dan were talking about this before off air beforehand. I know it's rare for a, a manager to start a player who's coming back from injury. They usually keep him on the bench, and if they need to change the game affect the game they bring him on but I just felt in this instance I wouldn't I mean I'm not a manager I'm not, I've never managed a club in my a team in my life but I, I, I would have I would have started with Ramsey and it's not in hindsight that's when I saw the team yeah no, I, no I agree with that but I also think to myself we don't know 100% of Jack is back on Saturday, on Thursday night Yeah. and if anything happens to Ramsey and he's out for Thursday night we, we can we, we, we can we can hopefully we can bounce back from Everton and we can put this right Realistically, it's in our own hands still. I understand. But you're going to get beat 2 0 by Napoli on Thursday yeah. night, you're out. Yeah, I understand exactly what you guys are saying. I'll just say that last week, for 45 minutes, he ran with more intensity than loads of the guys. Loads of for 20 guys. minutes, I thought. I thought he went really flat after the first 20 minutes, second half. I wonder whether, had the game been at home, and this taps in slightly to the differences between home and away that we might come back to later, I wonder, had the game been at home, whether he would have pursued that strategy of starting Ramsey. Getting a goal yeah. or two off and yeah. then taking him off, mm. but it isn't something you see managers do that often. Mm. Certainly away, they tend to go slightly the other way yeah. of let's stay in the game and then I'll bring him on if I oh, have to. I'm surprised Iwobi didn't start to stay because is that what you said? Mm. Emery likes the Iwobi Klasnach, yeah, yeah, it? and it's worked well yeah. as this season. So when I did, I was adamant Iwobi would start up top, and with maybe Ramsey going out of it with the legs and maybe the pressing, and I thought he, he no one worked hard on that pitch and mm. Iwobi. Awobi's ball retention is really, really good as well. Fantastic. It's a tight pitch at Goodison <clears> and you know they're putting Arsenal under a lot of pressure. You can fire the ball into him from all angles and there, there can be justifiable questions about his final ball, but you know you can play the ball into him under pressure. He's a great five-a-side player for, <laughs> what, for, for, want, of, for yeah. want of a better uh, expression. Yeah. Ball sticks to him, doesn't it? Absolutely. It always yeah. does, you know, you're right. And, yeah. and I was a bit surprised. And when he came on, I thought he was superb. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of rounds, he jinked in, put the one through to Lacazette as well, which Lacazette was lucky. Did you see him reaction after that as well? He looked a bit frustrated, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah. Yep. And then when he slipped. So. Uh, that's the one thing I'd say, and it's what you can say about Arsenal as a whole, about Lacazette, who I think has come on leap, leaps and bounds this season. I think the a tiny little thing missing from his game is one or two big away goals. Mm. I think you look at the breakdown of his goals, he scores a lot at home. And obviously that corresponds with Arsenal as a whole, so you yeah. can't I'm not isolating him particularly, but I think I think to be spoken about um uh, Arsenal fans love him, you know, you know, rate him very highly, but to be spoken about with the real with the Aguero Aguero's and Canes uh, from neutrals, I think he needs one or two more big moments away from home. Big goals, winners Equalisers, you know, things like that. You've made a point. He's scored four away from home. Yeah. And, 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 and also, yeah, we yeah. talk about, I mean, people will say, yeah, we scored against Man City. 
with two 0 down, he came off the bench. Yeah. So it was a nothing goal. He had a couple of chances at Tottenham one, last season. Mm. He put the one wide, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, this yeah. season he had another one. So I, I tend to agree with that. But anyway, as an Arsenal fan, he's far from the biggest problem. He's far no, he's from. Oh no, no, no. As an Arsenal fan, he's my favourite player. At the moment. I like yeah, him. Them two have scored uh, the twenty-six goals away from home. We've scored them two have scored more than a third. Him and him and Aubameyang, mm. and I think there's a problem. That's where the problem lies. There's not enough coming from other players. There's not enough contribution coming from other players. Mickey probably, you know, he's been up and down the season. He's had injury and that. But he had third top goal scorer this season. I think he's had third. Yeah, he's obviously had injury as well. And he had a bit of indifferent form, so we've missed him a lot. But in terms of everything else, and I think that's why Emery's always saying to Wobi, he wants to see more mm. end product assists and goals, and that's what yeah. we need from someone. I think that's why Wobie. Arsenal's shot numbers have been so low as well, because low, yeah. it's all about working the ball to the strikers yeah. in the box. Um, and obviously, that, that's very difficult to do. You know, it requires a lot of patience, and you have to have a lot of goes at it before you do find Lacazette six yards from goal yeah. uh, for him to have a shot. And as you say, there's not too much speculation coming from other parts of the pitch. And Dan, one point that you've made a couple of times is that the problem for the strikers at the weekend wasn't actually that they weren't doing the business, it's that the service, the platform for them wasn't there. Obviously, part of that was to do with that midfield two of Gwenduzi and El Nenny. How did you think they got on? It just looked very flat. I, just, I don't know, they're just... Gwenduzi... Good hair, though. Great hair between them. Best yeah. hair duo the best of the hair midfield duo. in the Imagine Premier League. It was, a nice, it was a nice tribute to Maron Fellaini. At <laughs> what did you call him earlier on, Charles? El Doozy. El Doozy. <laughs> El Doozy. I will never hear that again or see him on a pitch together again. But it's... You've got two players. El Nene is one pace yeah. you know, and he's weak. Yeah, you know, he doesn't retain the ball. He can't get the ball off of somebody else. He can't, he can't, you know, he's not going to block a run or intercept a run. Jack, um, Gwenduzi, for all his talent, still got so much to learn, and I think he needs somebody with experience. Bit too long, and he doesn't know what's going on behind no. him. His wing mirrors are. Yeah, he has got no wing mirrors. And, <laughs> and what he does, he gets the slightest touch, he goes down. As well. But that that could be. A, you know what? I don't mind that so much because that's a bit wily for me. Got some, yeah, know, but a couple of times he's done it. Not so much yesterday, yeah. but I've seen him do it before. And we've not had the foul against us. Yeah. And he's, he's put yeah. us in trouble. Like yeah. He's gone down. And the... Socrates does that very well, actually. Yeah, Socrates does it. He, yeah, he's got a little bit to learn. So, you know, I just thought them two, there was, yeah, it was just a, it was the worst pairing. It was just unfortunate. You guys have said, you know, our front, our front three, our top three midfielders weren't available. Had no one else really to go to. I Mate, thought, go on. I thought Gwenduzi should have showed a lot more responsibility on mm. the pitch yesterday. The one thing you could never fault from him, or usually, is that, you what, know, the he, ball. Yeah all the time and I thought he should have recognised I know El Nenny is the older player and he's the so-called senior partner but I thought he should have recognised mm. hold on I've got to be the man today because Mohamed El Nenny you know game. that's not his game yeah. I'm going to go and get the ball and maybe try more ambitious stuff getting it off the back four diagonals out to the wing backs he's done that the at City of, didn't he the granite yeah it was brilliant he's done that you know, show real cojones on that day you know <laughs> it's uh, it, it in did the his, studio. yeah did his like sort of best granite shacker impression. Yeah, very mature performance. Um, and I think, yeah, he should have showed maybe a little bit more than that yesterday. And I'd have been fine had he tried that and given the ball away a few times because that can happen. Mm. But I think when you see a player not quite taking that responsibility, that's when as a fan you get a little bit annoyed. No, I think you're bang on. And the midfield, as you say, were a problem. But there's a broader problem for Arsenal, mm. which is that difference of form, home versus away. And coming up, we'll be working out why that is. This is Love Sport. It's not a long list, the list that I'm about to read you. It goes as follows. Blackpool and Huddersfield. 
Those are all of the teams who Arsenal have beaten away from home since December. The list of draws is similarly short. United, Brighton and Tottenham. And the losses, rather longer. Southampton, Liverpool, West Ham, Man City, Barté, Wren and Everton. This away form is a serious problem, but why is it so different to the performances at home? Well, um, Dan can start off because I saw on, on Twitter this uh, is it yesterday or this morning that you, um, you... Yeah, it's a little bit of a history lesson, yeah. this one, so you might yeah. want to get a cup of tea. Or <laughs> but uh, there was an interesting graph I saw uh, that showed Arsenal's, it was Arsenal's home and away form tracked since 2006. And it sort of goes up and down, up and down, usual fluctuations. And then uh, halfway through the 16-17 season, the home form keeps going, actually goes up quite significantly, and that's that's great. Uh, but the away form dips off, you know, goes off a cliff. And I couldn't help but think to myself whether the, the two things were connected. I is, is there something about this Arsenal team? And is actually, is there something in how good Arsenal are at home that relates to why they're so bad away. And actually, in the 15-16 season, when Arsenal finished second to Leicester, Newcastle, who were relegated, scored more goals at home than Arsenal did at the Emirates that season. And Wenger talked about that after the season, said, this is why we didn't win the league. It wasn't because we can't defend or we're weak or we're bottlers or this. We don't score enough goals at home, particularly. And the season after, that summer, he brought Granit Xhaka, who's a we'd all agree, more of a pure ball player. And since then, and I'm not saying it's all on Xhaka, since then, Arsenal's goal scoring at home and home record has gone from strength to strength. It's great. They, they flow through teams. They pass out from the back beautifully. But the players he's replaced, people like Coquelin uh, and Cazorla, who had qualities like, well, obviously, Coquelin's off-the-ball qualities and Cazorla's ability under pressure, they had qualities that were perhaps more useful away from home. And in those seasons before, Arsenal's away record was quite good. I think it was like third or fourth best in the league. Um, but they didn't always, they sometimes struggled to break teams down at home. So I just wonder whether, going back to what Wenger was trying to do, whether he tried to shift the team in the direction of more of a free scoring team that blitzes opposition at home. And that, that came at the expense of the away form. And obviously, Emery has inherited that. And it's now kind of ingrained as a bit of a psychological issue that's hard to shake off. It's funny you say that because I don't remember. I don't know if which you you'll probably put me right, but there were two games. There were two away games in that season. I think sixteen, seven, or fifteen. Yeah. It was Everton first, yep. which we lost two one away at their mm-hmm. place, didn't we? Or I think we were leading or we were drawing. I can't remember. Yeah. Second half was one terrible, up. and then the Man City game mm-hmm. where he really sat deep, didn't he? Try to contain him, and then mm-hmm. I think uh, Sane or Sterling might have scored. And Did I get a penalty as well? So might have been. I can't remember, yeah. but yeah, we, we we tried to contain him, and we ended up losing. Off. I, I don't know if those two teams the, are connected. The, the two to that. players who came out of the team around that twenty sixteen time were Per Mertesacker, who was very useful when you're in a deeper defensive line, which you tend to be away from home, out of choice or not. He was sometimes a bit vulnerable at the Emirates when Arsenal were in a higher line. And Cazorla, who uh, was very good at protecting the ball under pressure, but sometimes didn't. when a team sat back at the Emirates, didn't offer that much. People forget that Cockle and Cazorla actually was a partnership. Uh, I, there's a couple of games I remember. It was a 1-0 home loss to Swansea and a 0-0 with Sunderland at the end of that season. And I, I just wonder whether their, their replacements who've been, say, Mustafi, even the very best version of Mustafi, everyone would agree is a front-foot defender. Mm. I think he has a lot of his best games at the Emirates, you know, where he's tearing through the back of people and, and he's more of a, supposedly, was bought as a ball-playing centre-back. <laughs> nobody would... Uh, nobody. A few smirks in yeah, the studio. Yeah. No, nobody would say his strength is defending his penalty box. Mm. No, always good in the centre-half. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, they're kind of two little subtle changes in the team that I think maybe set Arsenal on the road of being a stronger home side and maybe weaker away. Can I ask you, that, that season, the 1670 season, was it, was it really start, the away form? Did it really start to... Was uh, it a real... After those two games mm. in December at yeah. uh, Everton and Man City, right. it, really, uh, uh, it really went south. And that's when you got the West Brom playing right. game and, yeah. and all oh, that. Gosh, we don't yeah. need to go all over yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also it was... That's been the sort of tide sort of turn of Ingers on, wasn't it? That was yeah. the real. There was a few moments, but that's really sort of yeah, got a bit. Yeah, first absolutely. time you ever see that. What I do remember of that 1670 season is he played like uh, he played um, uh, Alexis up front, didn't mm-hmm. he? That was 1670. He put, he put him up front and he put he put Ozil near him, and that could have been, you know, to try and sort of kickstart that kind of free goal scoring kind of mm-hmm. um, 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 balance or whatever. But yeah, definitely. I, I d- I definitely think some balance was lost mm, in the yeah. team in that in that season, and there's been a search ever since to find it. And Emery uh, has done his best. Uh, I think his when he has confidence in the defensive personnel available to him, that's when we see the best of him and Arsenal. I think when when he's got Socrates and Koscielny, I think Koscielny's absence yesterday actually Massive. is possibly big because what it does is it takes a back four off the table. It takes a yeah. back four off the table yeah. uh, for Arsenal and for Emery, and it forces him to a back three, which then restricts your options elsewhere on the pitch. So. I think I mentioned this on Twitter some of day. I think Koscielny, his him coming back at the time he did, he had a couple of shaky games. First of all, I think it was Southampton and West Ham, which were obviously terrible performances. But his, I don't think it's no, it's not a coincidence that we start playing well again when he's back, and mm. and to come over the injury he's got at his age is is is, is a miracle in my eyes. It's unbelievable, really, how he's come around that. And he's a big loss for us. We, we need him in there. Yeah, I, d- I think he's been fantastic since he came back from injury. But do you not think the fact that Koscielny is still so important as someone who's significantly the wrong side of 30 <laughs> yeah. and has had this major injury suggests that the club haven't got their recruitment right at centre-half? Well, I think, I think we're a bit unlucky with Rob Holden. Obviously, cause yes, Rob Holden's playing really true. well. And if you go through our, our centre-backs, you think... If you play a back three, Monreal, and if you play a back four, it's got to be Monreal. I mean, I mean, he's so underrated. He just goes under the mm. radar as he, he class. But how long can he do that for, Monreal? I mean, he's an old guy now as well. Mavropoulos, we don't know really where he where he's at at the moment. Greece, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I think the club are, will be actively looking to get rid of Mustafi in the do, summer. Do you think that we need to find anchors? Yeah. Yeah, in this summer, big, yeah, we need to find. Fun. You know, I remember Jamie Carragher saying on Sky that away games is where I earn my money as a Liverpool player. Home games were don't slip up, don't make a mistake, don't gift the opposition anything, but cruise through the game. Away from home as a defender is where you made your money, and I think that lack of a defensive consistency mm. in selection, particularly and and defensive platform, I think you know that's what gets tested on the road, and mm. that's where Arsenal. Found wanting. I think Giles's point is a massively good one, as you say, because with those anchors, the likes of a Jamie Carragher, what you're getting isn't just a spine of the team, but it's actually character as well. And yeah. Dan, I think your analysis of how the personnel personnel have changed and that's changed the home and away form is really interesting. I hadn't considered that at all, and I'm sure that's a massive factor. 
But equally, how much of this is psychological? The fact that all the passes go missing away from home, for example. Is it not possibly the case that a Jamie Carragher or a Patrick Vieira or whoever it may be who's just got a little more, as you said, cojones, might improve the away form as well? Is it psychologically weak? I don't believe it's psychologically. I think it's a little bit of just the opposition as well. As I going to a smaller side, you, you play them at home. The first 10, 15 minutes, the team will say, right, let's sit back, one up front, let's let Arsenal, let's just make sure we keep it tight first 10 minutes. When they go away from home, they probably say, keep it tight, but let's try and have a go as well. We are at home, let's have a chance. So it's a little bit of a different tactic altogether. And we need to just work out he, he, had to respond to yeah, that. and he got yeah. his tactics spawn yesterday, Silva. He did. He mm. they got an early goal, and that made it ten times more harder for us. I think for me, it doesn't matter if you play a back three or a back four. Doesn't matter what personnel he plays. I, I do think there is some kind of hangover, for want of a better word, from the end the, the end of the era, the Wenger era, where we've just become so fragile. I think it's a, a vulnerability. It's a, there's isn't a vulnerability, it? and it's become a self fulfilling prophecy almost. I, you think, know I, mean? I think the players are, are aware of it as well, yeah. and that that's you get the sort of safety first yeah. approach on the ball. Um, the idea of sort of just characters and leadership. I mean, you don't see uh, extroverted characters on the football pitch in, in today's football, particularly. You don't get Tony Adams type, Jamie Carragher types in many teams. You know, they're people are subservient to the instructions of the manager and or the coach, as it may be. Um, and I think, you know, when you're a professional footballer, you, you're mentally strong. You wouldn't have made it that far. Um, and they're not waking up mentally weak characters on away games and waking up mentally strong for home games. <laughs> but, you know, it's not as it's not as crude as that. But I, did, I, I think, psycho, you know, sports psychology is important. Mm. Um, it's an intangible, but athletes and sports teams spend a lot of money <laughs> with psychologists. So it must it must count for something. Yeah, and Emery's got to get it right. There is one table that Arsenal are top of, and that is the differential of points per game in terms of home and away. There is a 1.32 difference. They're averaging 2.59 points per game at home this season, averaging 1.27 away. That gap is too big. What are the, just as maybe something you can research after a break, but what are the, what are the other five? Teams like the other what of the of the top six, six yeah uh, they do rather better so we have to scroll down a very long time before we find any of them Liverpool interestingly a tenth with a difference of 0.51 but Chelsea are the closest to Arsenal of their direct competitors they're equal 12th with only a 0.44 difference in terms of points so this is a problem for Arsenal the home versus away divide and in a sense it could also kind of be encouraging because if they can translate the home performances into away performances. That's very, very impressive figures. How can they solve it? Get in touch. 0208 70 20 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. And coming up, we'll be discussing Mesut Ertzel and Coatgate. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Charlie East of Gunnerstown and Zanjachiri, Dan Zachiri. I do apologise, of the Daily Telegraph. It is the Arsenal Fan Show, but we have got other Premier League football to bring you updates from. Chelsea versus West Ham kicks off at 8 o'clock and we'll be bringing you updates from that throughout the show. 
One update from the weekend involves a coat, a very nice, actually Wenger-esque, no doubt, duck-down-filled coat worn by a certain Mr. Mesut Ertzil. He got subbed off the pitch, put it on, and then decided to not only remove his coat, which is, you know, common if you're too warm, but then throw it towards the touchline. Now, we've got a few options here. He's throwing it at a member of the Everton staff. He's throwing it at Unai Emery, or he was just too warm and just didn't want it anywhere near him. What was going on? I, th- I, I think, I'd like to think he was throwing at Everton, which is Duncan Ferguson. He probably doesn't know who Duncan Ferguson is. but um, He would find out, I yes. suspect, but if no, he I think, I think it, it was a, I think it was Mustafi had just put yeah, Calvert Lewin into the ball, yeah. didn't he? Mm. And then all the Everton bench jumped up and it was a little bit of a... Even that, that our assistant, yeah. that one... Carlos, because yeah. he's a bit of a fiery character he himself. Is, yeah. Yeah. So he's sort of jumping, and I think Ozil just sort of. Yeah, he just picked. I'm up involved too. <laughs> I'm, I'm safe four rows back. But <laughs> have a coat. Have something really soft thrown at you. The only thing I can compare it to is probably the Fabregas pizza incident. Pizza and, uh, but you could, I don't, you could I don't do what, something with a I don't, pizza. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know what the aerodynamics are um, <laughs> with a coat and a pizza. Probably the pizza flies a bit further, and. Um, Sesk certainly had better aim on that occasion because yeah. it caught Sir Alex Ferguson flush in the face. But, um, <laughs> you can imagine the a, hot melted cheese on his face. It's just a little bit of petulance. and oh, They're all like it, really. They're funny characters, footballers, aren't they? In, in some ways, they have to grow up far quicker than the rest of us. And in some ways, they don't grow up at all, do they? So. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, uh, Ches, Ches Fabregas was talking about that uh, Pizzagate and he said that um, you know he probably wouldn't have done it now what he did then he was he was, he was no, young he's no kid. longer 12 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but um, because he was a lot of emotion and you know and i think the guys were really frustrated about the 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 the, the they didn't get they didn't get a lot no, you know it was mike riley that night it, that day. it was that mike riley yeah, yeah it was, you know, it was a game where they kicked us off the park wasn't it? and they yeah. end our 49 yeah defeat and that was yeah. one of the worst referee yeah. decisions i've ever uh, Sol campbell to this day says he never forgives rooney yeah. for mm. diving like that what, what happened was um rio ferdinand and campbell were going at yeah. it in the tunnel and um, Chesk was just coming back. He just, you know, get some sustenance. He had, he had a, just happened to have a pizza in his hand. He said he, he wasn't really aiming for Ferguson. He was aiming in that direct, general direction of where the, the melee was. And it hit <laughs> I don't him. believe that for a second. <laughs> I'll always remember face. Ferguson <laughs> going for his uh, post-match interview with Sky in a tracksuit. People thought, this is a bit weird. What's going on here? He's always, he's always got a suit on. And uh, that, that gave the game away a bit. Pepperoni <laughs> but, uh, his uh, suit yeah. and whatnot. Ridiculous. So on the Ertzel front, it's not a pizza. There was no potential for, as you say, Giles, scalding cheese or any kind of damage, nor did he get knocked out by Duncan Ferguson, which is probably for the best. There are two ways of looking at it, though. It's either petulance, which I think is probably where I fall down, or is it Meza Ertzel showing a bit of the kind of passion that we say he doesn't have? Would have been, would have been good to see it on the pitch. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose as a manager, you might berate him in public, but in private, you'd be like, yeah. It's all good. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think he'd, he'd have been disappointed. Look at his face. I showed his face. I think he was disappointed with. I mean, let's get Sam right. These players have been praised over the last couple of weeks, Ozil included. Mm. And maybe everyone was starting to believe that we are going to get this top four. Because that, that was the target at the start of the season Champions League football. And it looks like we have got us in such a good position. Maybe that bit of frustration was like, yeah. oh, but it was. They all care, I think. Mm. They do you might, care. You, you might get the odd wrong who, who really doesn't, but they show it in different ways, and mm. Ozil's not very demonstrative. So he throws um, his coat. So he, yeah, he showed <laughs> it in that way on this occasion. Meza Ozil, we've, we've said the same thing a hundred times. He needs, uh, 
he needs support around him. He needs a platform in the team to allow him to add the final flourish and touch of class in the last third. He's never going to be a guy who drags a team up by its bootstraps. Well, look He's at, never been that, and he think, never will be. Do you think, Dan, though, that that's... I mean, a lot of people sort of... They use that as a sort of like his, you know, as his case for the defence mm. when it comes to Ozil. And I just think to myself, you're a captain. Yeah, You are the captain well, of the team. But is it, is yeah. that's, that's, that's given to him by... Emery. But it comes because with a responsibility, right? So if yeah. you're, when you're, when you're, you know, I'm not saying he should be demoser, he should be barking out orders and whatnot, but I just feel that in away games, he never really shows up. He really, really shows up in away <laughs> games. Doesn't show up anyway. I think yeah. he played five away games. And I know we've talked about the platform and not having help from other players, but I just think there's got to be a, a you know, there's got to be a moment where you just say, no, I've got to try and enact something. I've got to try and be a spark. I've got to try and kickstart something. I think there's a separate argument of should Arsenal pay £350,000 a week or, or however much it is. It can be two hundred or one fifty. It doesn't really matter. Should Arsenal's highest earner be a player who needs support around him to flourish or should Arsenal's highest earner be a little bit more of a guy with individual brilliance who can pull a rabbit out the hat from nowhere? Yeah, he's and more Ar- accurate Ars- with a coat. Arsenal have had players like that in the mm. past we know we all know who they are that was Thierry Henry or Des mm. Bergkamp or uh, even Van Persie um, and you know that's a separate argument is you know w- what do you want from your highest paid player and your marquee player and that's a bit more of a philosophical question well I think Giles's point is a really good one that Ertzel not turning up away from home can't be a case for the defence but I think it probably is a fact. I mean, if we look at his stats from Everton, zero goals, zero assists, zero shots, zero duels won, zero, zero successive passes. through balls completed, zero key passes, zero tackles, subbed off on the 70th minute, 350 grand a week. Not I, and another thing is, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even, I haven't even covered, I haven't even talked about the money aspect of it. But people have said to me, on this show, earlier on this season, he's our best player, he should be, he should be, there's, he should be made captain. And I'm like, what? What? Mm. Because you think he's our best player? Yeah, you know, I think we've done that. We 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 also went through a stage of, oh, a player's going to leave. Let's make him captain. Yeah, yeah. We did that. We've, we've done that quite that. a lot, yeah, yeah. right? And they still leave. But uh, the money situation with Ozil, it's always going to come into it, right? It is because because who's offering to the But let's get that right. Last year we was in a situation we couldn't afford to allow Ozil and Sanchez to go at the same window. Okay, as a football club, we could not allow that to happen. Ozil's yep. agents paid a blinder. Yes. And he's still around. He'll probably be around after the summer. Yeah, and with that in mind, it's that same conversation. Emery has to work out how to get the best out of him. Maybe he can do that against Napoli. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Charlie East of Gunnerstown. We're also joined by Dan Zachiri of the Daily Telegraph in the studio. And it's the Arsenal Fan Show, but we're also talking Chelsea. And there is glee in the studio around me at the prospect of a possible West Ham win. Not expecting much. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's glee that it's nil-nil after two minutes. <laughs> well, there is that as well, but we're looking positive, Dan. We're looking positive. Let's hope Fabianski has a, uh, a blinder. Yeah, well, he, he owes us, doesn't he? Most he saves in Premier League this season. Talking of positivity, turn, time to turn our attention towards Napoli in the Europa League, a massive game for Arsenal. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Rich Hall, who's the chief correspondent for Football Italia. Evening, Rich. Thanks ever so much for joining us. 
Are Napoli the best team left in this competition? Evening, guys. Um, well, you would have said yes until a couple of weeks ago because yeah. under Ancelotti, Napoli this season had been a, a changed team. Um, they were, last season, they probably coached within an inch of their life by Maurizio Sarri um, and did develop a really, really quick, high-tempo pressing game. And they just kept running out of steam in the, in the final third of the season. Ancelotti's come in and he's refined it in some respects. And, I mean, we can't really... We have to discount Juventus because they're just so far clear. But Napoli have been absolutely superb in the way they've played. They've been more measured um, and found different ways to win. But in the last couple of weeks, after they trounced Roma 4-1, they've just taken their foot off the gas and they've had a really poor result against Empoli. And then they faced Genoa this weekend, who went down to 10 men. Interestingly, a team who play a very uh, counter-attacking sort of game and Ancelotti said it could have been a dry run in some respects for how he expects Arsenal to play and they just couldn't break them down so he was pretty angry about the whole situation at the moment and said that if they play like that against Arsenal they'll uh, they'll be torn to pieces. Yeah, hi, hi, thanks for coming on Bridge. Um, yeah, that Empoli game I see last week, I mean, I see the result, I didn't actually see the, mm. the performance or... Um, Obviously, that obviously what went on in the game was that a freak result, or did Empoli sort of play well, or was Napoli just sort of as we were sort of yesterday sort of stifled yeah. out? It was interesting because, as I said, the week they, they played it in Asia two weeks before a team in a similar situation um, fighting relegation, and they dominated the game early and they, they took them apart. They, they won four two. Against Empoli, it was interesting because they almost turned up uh, really... It wasn't a Napoli-type performance at all. It was a slow-tempo performance. Uh, they failed to get players like Nilik into the game. Fabian Ruiz is probably the best player on the pitch. Um, but it was slow. And what was very strange as well for, for Napoli was that they actually defended really poorly. Um, so it has been just the fact that recently, they, the last couple of games, they seem to have taken the foot off the gas. But when quizzed about it as well, one interesting thing that um, Ancelotti said because the, the criticism was almost similar to what it was of Sarri. Is, you know, is it the player's physical condition? And he said, no, it's not, a, it's not a physical condition. It's also not a mental one. They've even, not even spoken about the Arsenal game as yet. So he's trying to put his finger on exactly why they're not firing. But, you know, I mean, one thing about Napoli, I mean, I suppose in some respects it's a good, good job that this first game is at Arsenal, because uh, I think a European night at San Paolo is always something to be a bit wary of. Hi, Rich Giles here. How I remember Napoli going over. I mean, they were very unlucky to fall out of the Champions League um, knockout mm. stages. Where obviously drawn against Liverpool and uh, PSG. The match away to Liverpool. Um, how did they set up? I mean, I don't. I, I, I remember correctly. It was, it was it a close game? The one at Liverpool. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, with, with Napoli, they, they tend to under under Ancelotti. They, they're trying to, especially in Europe, be a little bit different from what they are in, in Serie A. So against them, um, I mean, with Maurizio Sarri, it was always a 4-3-3. They had this trident uh, of attackers. And he often played Dries Mertens almost as a false nine. Um, Andres Arcadeus Melik, sorry, was, uh, was injured a lot last season. And so what Ancelotti is doing is changing the system a little bit, uh, especially against teams like Liverpool, potentially a little quicker, a little bit more physical, to give them a different outlet. So Milik's featured a lot, a lot more at the moment. But the interesting thing is, depending on the game, if they've, say, for instance, against Juventus and how we saw them change against Liverpool as well, is that they have got the likes to play on, the, well, the ability to play on the counter-attack. So 
they can bring Andres Mertens and they've got Insigne and Verdi, who, who, to be fair, when they can sit deep, uh, does transform it. So he is quite adaptable. But uh, you're right, they were they were unlucky to go out of that Champions League group. And you know, many people, uh, many of the media in Italy have been thinking they are probably one of the strongest teams left in this tournament in the Europa League so far. Rich, who's the danger man for Napoli? You've mentioned Milik there, of course. Mertens is another mm. who English fans will be well aware of. Who should Emery be most worried about? It's an interesting one because right through the team, I mean, when you look at I mean, even Alex Merritt, the young goalkeeper who's been exceptional um, in recent weeks, you know, and you've got Koulibaly at the back, who, who for, my, for my money would be one of the best centre-backs in Europe, in Europe at the moment. And all the way through the spine, whether it's Alan, who works extremely hard, but offensively, and I think that one of the players who, for me, is, is Lorenzo Insigne. He, he just has that ability to just change the game on his own. Um, but it's insane that. Okadaz Milik, it has been in exceptional form as well. But it really is just to, I think for, for Arsenal, what would be interesting is to watch, it doesn't matter whether it's Mertens, Milik, Callejon, Verdi, is to watch that front three if they do start with them. Because uh, in recent weeks, if uh, Napoli have started well, it's been very dependent on how well they've pressed. But if they go to the Emirates and stand off, then it could be quite an interesting uh, game. Because again, that's how they, they, what they've done against Empoli and what they did against Genoa. That front three didn't work. They didn't press and they allowed those teams in. So that would be probably the main thing to watch for Arsenal fans. Hi, Rich. Uh, I've heard uh, somebody say that Napoli's weak points might be in the fullback areas. Is that, is that something you agree with? Um, yes, in some respects. I mean, when you, it, it is difficult because the likes of uh, Hassage and Marco Rui haven't been the best this season um, but again it, it, it does it's, they are sometimes shadowed in the sense of I think that what Koulibaly does in the central central defence or when you look at what Alan and the ground he actually puts in um, because they're such a quite a tight unit I think some of their um, fallibilities get covered over in some respects but you're right that, that is two positions that they, they could do with, um, with strengthening even though saying that again I would say that's more for a defensive point of view uh, going forward again, the way they can cross over and overlap with the likes, of, as I mentioned, with Verdi, with Insigne, is quite exciting when they when they're in full force. But you know, the interesting thing against Ancelotti as well, sorry, the interesting thing with Ancelotti this season is that there hasn't really seemed to have been um, weak players who you can pinpoint. It's more been that, uh, as I was just mentioned before, the the ability when sometimes it's almost like an overconfidence at times. When they, when they have uh, turned off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly would be one area that Arsenal potentially could try and exploit. Because that's been a feature of Ancelotti's managerial career, that his record in European Cup competitions uh, betters his record as a league manager. What is it about his style and his methods that causes that, do you think? I think in this, when, you look at, uh, when you look at his career in the past, when you, whether it's been at... Uh, you know, he's changed as a coach massively. Um, you know, he was uh, obviously one of the characters in one of the great Milan sides. So, you know, he's always had that ability to to be able to really conduct himself well when it's in front of the sort of bigger name players. And that's why we've seen him do so well at some of the, like I said before, you know, PSG, Bayern, etc. However, the interesting thing was when he first started out as a coach, he was very tactical. He really was very interested in, in the game and trying to really, uh, you know, almost imitate what Saki did. 
And then when the more he's gone on and the more he hasn't had to do that because he hasn't had to train the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Lewandowski, etc. Um, the criticism of it at Bayern was that he wasn't coaching enough. So I think what's interesting this season is we have seen it revert back a little bit. So, you know, again, it's, it's probably unfortunate to compare any team at the moment to Juventus. And I think by his own admission, they should have finished closer. But he has, uh, with Napoli, gone to a team who were exceptionally well coached in Dasari. And he has continued that and, and adapted it. But at the same point, I think that that ability to get through to his players and the fact that he's been there and done it uh, does resonate well when it comes to the European nights. Rich, um, obviously Napoli would have thanked themselves as one of the favourites for the tournament. When the draw was made, how did they react and the fans out in Italy to actually get in Arsenal? Because... I would like to think, obviously, a lot of people over here were going, oh, Team Arsenal didn't want. But I presume Napoli, we were a team they'd want to avoid as well. Oh, they, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Ancelotti as well, you know, from his time, time in England, is well, well aware of Arsenal. I think that, uh, you know, there were certain teams going into that. Um, when you look at the round before, there's a lot of focus um, in Italy about Eintracht Frankfurt as well. That was the two, the two teams that people didn't really want to pick. Um but Arsenal, you know, they, they are well-known in Italy is, and for the success they've had. I mean, everyone still remembers, and you guys remember this, no one's they've still forgotten the, uh, that night in San Siro uh, against Inter that time. <laughs> that was, <laughs> so there's been, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, Arsenal is seen as a very attacking team, a very, uh, you know, most most um, of the media outlets, when you look at Gazette Della Sport, Corriere Della Sport, I mean, if we look at the, the headlines before and after that game, they'll expect Arsenal to come and play attractive football. And that's what they're still, you know, still known for. So, yeah, they certainly wanted to, to avoid um, Arsenal. But, again, I think that Napoli always back themselves just because of that atmosphere at San Paolo. I mean, in Italy, it's probably one of the most, most hostile you can get. And you know it's the Neapolitans are pretty crazy, so it's uh, <laughs> it'll be it'll be some, it'll be some night when uh, when Arsenal go there. I was always warned not to drive in Naples, Rich, because they say they've got three lines of traffic: one going one way, one going the other way, and one just driving down the middle in whichever direction they please. So hopefully the same doesn't translate <laughs> onto the pitch. I'm going to have to put you on the spot, I'm afraid, and ask for a score prediction. How do you think it's going to go across the two legs? Because the two legs, that's interesting. I could <laughs> put me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a difficult one because um, I would have actually fancied Napoli over the two legs, uh, if, I, if I'm honest, before this, before the, the last two games. Um, I, I think that in, in general, against the Emirates, I think that could be the closer of the two games. Uh, I could easily see that being a draw. But I do think just, and it will be just, that if Napoli can get themselves back into shape, I don't know, it's going to be so close. I would have tipped Napoli at San Paolo just because the second leg is there. But, what? you know, at the moment, who knows? Let's who hope knows? you're wrong, Rich. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong for you guys, I really do. <laughs> Rich, thanks ever so much. Lovely to speak to you thanks, as well. Rich. Thanks for the Cheers, time. Man. That was Rich Hall there, who is the chief correspondent for Football Italia. We've heard the Napoli view. It's time to find out how Arsenal should set up. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show in the Premier League right now. It's still Chelsea nil, West Ham nil. Chelsea looking the brighter of the two sides with Aidan Hazard running the show. Funny that. If you want to get in touch on any of those things we're discussing this evening, you can. That number 0208 70 20 558 or it's at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. 
Now, gents, just a moment ago, we were speaking to Rich Hall, who's chief correspondent at Football Italia. He was giving us his take on Napoli, saying they would rather have avoided Arsenal in the draw. Would you rather have avoided the Italian side, or is there something to be said for, well, let's, we're going to have to play them if we want to w- win it, so let's play them early? Yeah, I think, I think the last two um, fixtures, we've got teams that are... Uh, we, the draws come out, we thought, oh, lovely, we're through. And we've both away legs, we've been caught out. So for me, I think let's play someone half decent. Let's let's just yeah. let's set a marker in this tournament. I would, without a way, I would rather have played him on a one-off. To be honest with you, I would. That's my gut feeling. I would rather have played him on a one-off in the final. I think we have to go on Thursday. We have to go. We have to get out of there. Go over there with clean sheet. Clean sheet, as we yeah. said the other day, and at least caught. two goals. Otherwise, it's going to be a tall order. I don't know what you think. I'd rather play Wigan Athletic in every single round and get through <laughs> as far as we can. But that's not going to happen. So it's the last day of European I, I competition. I think you do Wigan a disservice now. Uh, it's the last day of European competition. You can't complain about yeah. you know, the standard of the opposition. And, and you have to put things in perspective. You know, it's uh, They're the best, well, strongest opponent possibly in the Europa League. But would they be in the top eight teams in Europe? Just Maybe. Might squeak it at yeah. a push. So, you know, it's a tough game for Arsenal, but I don't think they're punching so far above their weight. It's not David versus Goliath by any means. So um, I don't think it should hold too many fears. Um, in terms of how we actually set up and approach the game, I'd look to revisit the, the formation that was used against United. And I don't just say that because Arsenal won that game. But <laughs> I, think, I think three at the back against teams who play with a front two is a really useful thing to go to. Mm. And it sounds like... Napoli play with Milik and Mertens or Milik and Insigne, which is a little bit of an old-fashioned front too, really. Mm. A big sort of mm. traditional centre-forward and then a, a nippier guy who can carry the ball and run in behind. And I don't really fancy leaving that 2v2 with a flat-back four. So I'd like mm. to see a back three. I think that worked well against United uh, when they had Lukaku and Rashford up front. And we've seen it work well against Spurs, actually, when they go yeah. Kane and Son right up top as well. So, do, do you think there's something to be said for having four centre-halves like we did against Tottenham away? That's and then, an interesting one. Could I, I think I, I, th- I think there's <laughs> I think there's something in that for the away leg. Mm-hmm. I think maybe not at yeah. home, but I think for the away leg, depending on the score, I think that, that could definitely be the the way it, forward. Is the danger of that three at the back that you could have an Everton scenario where if your wing backs get pinned back because their wingers are very impressive, Callejon and Zielinski, who Liverpool have been chasing forever, and as we were hearing from Rich Hall there, their full backs like to yeah. get forward as well. You're asking a lot, aren't you, of Kalasinak and uh, presumably Maitland-Niles? But the the central midfield two could be stronger than what we saw at Everton. And and the midfield two against United got through an awful lot of work. In fact, it might have injured them for the next three weeks. They got through that much work. Shaka and Ramsey in that game, they covered all sorts of ground, sprinting out out to the flanks to put fires out. I think it'll be interesting because I think that I got a feeling they might they might adopt they might play the way they did against PSG when they went over to Paris. Very unfortunate not to win that game over there. They play PSG. They actually decided we're going to keep the ball. We're going to be dominant with the ball and we're going to... They exploited PSG's weaknesses, which was down the wings. And I'm worried that, you know, if we're not careful, if it's going to be the back three and Monreal's the, the left-sided centre-back and Kolasinac is the wing-back, as it probably will be if we go back three, they will exploit Kolasinac's, you know, his... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's defensive frail. Yeah. His frail is, yeah. <laughs> exactly. and, 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 you know, maybe they might pull Milik onto the right, i.e. Um, Monreal's yeah. side and then 
that, that's more of a problem if they yeah. move away from the sort of front two mm. and they go to more of a four-three-three or something. But the good thing is with Monreal on the pitch, you can shuffle across into a mm. four quite yeah. easily if you want. So I, I, I think with Jacker and Torreira coming back, if we can get Jacker start on Torreira in there, I think it, I think it makes us favourite this league. Mm. And, it, and I think I think they're not Napoli of old. I think people are picturing Napoli as in a couple of years ago they were one of the best teams mm. in Europe with that Higuain and they were flying. Mm. I mean, I've watched them a few times this season. Not so much Champions League. I've watched them a couple of league games and stuff. And they've not looked... They've looked, they looked good. they looked OK. But I, I think at home we should win. But it's important thing for us is to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. We have to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. And I think we'll score out there. I think we'll, 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 yeah. I think we'll get a go out there. I do like the idea of split strikers at the Emirates, yeah. actually. Rather than one up front yeah. banging against Kuyabai for yeah. 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. good luck yeah. to you. We it's can't like, have that. It's like yeah. trying to, as Hugh McAvenny once said about interviewing Lester Piggott, it's like trying to mine for gold with a plastic spoon. It <laughs> uh, could, could be a bit like that against yeah. um, Kuyabai. So I, I say go and stand go and stand away from him. Go and stand um, <laughs> yeah. between the full back and centre. Yeah, 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 go and stand out on them and uh, mm. try your luck there. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about 350 grand being too much for Ertzel, but I don't think there is any amount of money you could pay me to go 1v1 with Cooley Barley mm-hmm. for headers for 90 minutes. The thing is, sorry, Johnny, so you're thinking three at the back, two up front. Yep. Who's your, who's your, who's your, who's your two in the middle, or three in the middle? Uh, I think that would depend. I think all being fit, I think I would go uh, possibly Shaka, Torreira, Ramsey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Ramsey is the sort so of so you would you yeah. would definitely Fresh. not use uh, Iwobi or Mkhitaryan or Ozil for that mm. now at home. No, 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 I wouldn't. No, I'd say I'd keep I'm, them I'm, up for the second I'm, leg, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm for the, the second half, if need I'm be. You know. I'm the same with Dan on that day. I think that I think as it's worked so well with Ramsey pushing, pushing on. I think that would be. I think if you try and. I know Arsenal are not Bolton, but like if you try <laughs> and the, the way English teams. You can go right back to when Arsenal beat Juventus at Highbury in the 2006 mm. run. When English teams beat good European sides, particularly Italian opposition, it's through the tempo, the running, yeah, the, the intensity. High, high intensity yeah. early in the game. Yeah. I think the first 20, 25 minutes is your chance against yeah. this because you can catch. I don't think Napoli are particularly good travellers. They haven't got a history of great away no. results mm. in Europe. Uh, and Italian teams haven't got a good record in Europa League either. So it tended to be the Spanish clubs who've who've really Dominated. excelled. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Arsenal's chance could be the opening 20 minutes to catch them cold. If we can start like we did against them, I mean, I know it's a different Napoli team, but you know, I think it was Ozil's first season when he came in. We yeah. played him in the Champions League. We blew him off the pitch. We missed was, penalties, well, didn't we? Yeah, One we of the best halves of yeah. football at the Emirates. Yeah. I think Arsenal played, actually, yeah. that, that, that night. Ozil scored, didn't he? His first goal, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he was, yeah. Side foot. Yeah, side first touch, edge of the back, wasn't it? Was yeah. it cut back and he... Did yeah. he miss the penalty as well? I don't remember. I can't remember. I think that was, the, that was later in the in the tournament, I think. Maybe, I don't know. But it, is that an argument for Ertzel's inclusion? I think I agree with you, Dan, that I wouldn't play him. But the cliche that gets thrown around about Serie A when an English team plays someone from Italy is that, well, it's slower. And therefore, mm-hmm. these luxury players who need more time, who like to scheme, might excel more. Is it the kind of game where Ertzel might have a bit more space? I, I wouldn't be devastated to see Ertzel start. I just think... I'm following the logic of the system I'm putting forward. I'm putting myself mm-hmm. in Emery's. And I think in that system with, with the two strikers, I think Ramsey, we've seen it work. I think Ramsey fits that more than Ozil. I think if it's four two three one, 
then maybe go for Ozil because you want somebody who's going to connect a little bit more and slip ball through. And, and I also think guy. I've heard that Zielinski is the controller of that team. Yeah. He's very, very good. And what Ramsey does as well as anything, as well as breaking into the box and screening, he does know he does an assignment. You tend to stick on somebody. He stifles people out, doesn't he? Oh my lord, Aiden Hazard has just scored one of the goals of the season. Sorry, Charles. I glanced up, up behind your shoulder and I saw Hatton Ben Arthur versus Bolton on repeat, but better. He picks it up in midfield and dances between the entire West Ham defence, really, before sliding low beyond Fabianski. That was an absolutely extraordinary goal. And it is Chelsea 1, West Ham 0. He is just so, so good. And will he be playing in blue next season? Or white, or white. Or blue. <laughs> it will be white. Have a look yeah. at this. So what he picks, he picks it up basically on the halfway line. Drives between two defenders, between oh, what four? The fail. entire back four, really, in one drop of the shoulder. It's an absolutely extraordinary run and a very tidy finish. I tell you what, Declan Rice will learn from that because he should have gotten. We should have been much, or, or somebody should yeah, be yep. much closer when, once he gets the ball. Once you let him turn. It's noble, it's noble there. As soon as he's at the edge of the box, it's game over. Yeah. You've no got to put up in the air there, unfortunately. You've got to put him up in the air there. The shades, actually, of Henri against, yeah, Liverpool. Uh, yeah. against Tottenham. Liverpool. Or Tottenham, or yeah. Tottenham yeah. yeah. Just the kind of the defenders all so scared, backing off, backing off, backing Quite off. Bad. Perhaps somebody should have kicked him. Somebody should have got a yellow card. I feel like Socrates would have done, but he keeps doing that, <laughs> and now he's suspended. <laughs> This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And Socrates has done a very good job since he came into Arsenal at the beginning of this season. And something that we've said a lot on this show is that part of what makes him so effective is his willingness to kick people. That's quite helpful. If he can't get the ball, he will often just go, all right, fine, I'll take the man. That said, it was yet another booking against Everton and he's now suspended for the next two domestic games. How big of a problem is that for Arsenal? Um, for me, I think it's a bit of a massive problem. I think he is a he's a leader. I think he's the one defender that we've got there. Okay, so he's had 10 yellow cards for the season, but he's the one defender we've got there that usually... I mean, this is going to sound contradictory because he's got ten yellow cards, but he kind of he plays on the edge, but he knows you know he knows how to sort of like trick you know Connor Connor referee just just to get that foul or get you know just to he he, he knows the dark arts mm-hmm. you know I know ten yellow cards suggest otherwise, but he's the one defender we've got that knows the dark arts. He plays on the edge, and he usually gets the better of his. He likes to field the defender, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? And he knows he's really good at doing that. This might sound a bit hyperbolic, but you could not pick a worse game for Socrates to miss than Watford away. Yeah. Uh, as good as I think Koscielny is, I, I think I would pick Socrates. I, I'd rather him than Koscielny for this specific game because Gray and Deeney yeah. is going to be a real scrap and Socrates would relish that. Yeah. I've been really impressed with him all season. I think uh, my expectations were modest, probably at the start. Uh, I didn't expect him to be as athletic as he mm. is, quick. actually. Mm. Very quick, Very quick. Isn't he? he can jump, good, good spring. Um, you know, uh, Because people were paying such attention to the pre-season games, because there was a new manager this year, people were, you know, losing it, weren't they? When they mm. saw Socrates, the first couple of games, he looked a bit lumpy and mm. a bit, <laughs> bit, oh God, what, where's this going to go? But actually, after three or four uh, games and he was up to speed, I think he's been really, really yeah. good. Yeah, you know, I've been very pleased with him. I think he surprised a lot of people. Yeah. As you mentioned, a lot of people were sort of, well, oh, we spent the X amount of money on the defender, we need to be more. But he'd come in, he's an honest player yeah. to like. I mean, there's no sort of what you see is what you get. 
So I'm happy with him. I'm, uh, but I think we're missing against Watford, as you said. The Deeney, Deeney's a slight worry when we got against Mustafi and Kashilni, maybe. I think Palace at home the week after should be manageable, but mm. the Watford away without him is a real problem. Mm. Uh, and it raises the issue, I think we discussed before, do you, do you consider bringing in uh, Dinos Mavropanos? <laughs> It'd be a big risk, but okay. at least he has mm. a he has a stature about him that yeah. certain other defenders don't. Uh, is it, can he come? Is he coming out of the cold? Mm. You know, um, I don't. I, I don't think I would do it. I don't think no, he will do it. But no. it's. Uh, would, it that, for, would it force him to four at the back? Uh, Especially if Kashelny is not fit. Mm. Yeah, then I think yeah, you, you would have, have to. to. Um, yeah. I think if it if it's going to be a if it's going to be a back four and Kashelny is fit, we're now looking at Kashelny Mustafi, which has never been a particularly great <laughs> partnership. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd never like to predict what he will do before games but because it can't be done it can't be done <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if we go to a back three again at, at Watford if Koscielny's fit Koscielny Mustafi and Monreal, and Monreal yeah. because I think he feels that they they, they can protect each other safety more. in numbers yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think so. the broader question here with how important Socrates has become is whether Arsenal need to recruit at centre half again in the summer would you yes. like to see them reinvest definitely Absolutely. yes I don't think you'd find a single Arsenal fan yeah. who would argue with that yeah. uh, I think it needs to be somebody not a, a you know a real youngster a real uh, shot in the dark but somebody in that kind of 23 to sort of 26 it's got to be our leader it's got to be our number one it's got to be a it's, it's, it's got to be a statement. it's got to be a centre half you want for the next five six years yep. ideally yeah. it's going to you build a defence around him I think it's, it's Liverpool have shown mm. you spend the money on a proper defender and it transforms your whole team. You take Van Dijk out of that side, yeah. they're a completely different side. And we need to now find, it's not our job to do so, yeah. that, <laughs> but the Arsenal board, whoever we do, whoever yeah. we've got doing their roles, that's their job now. You should be looking for a centre-half. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a difference if we make Champions League or not. Because yeah, yeah. the, the top player you're going to get, we've mentioned Titi before, and but is Titi the player? Well, that I don't know. The thing is, as a, as a top six club, there's only so much protection you can give your defence because the onus is on you to get 80 points, 90 points. You've got to win an X number of games. You know, Unai Emery can't do what Sean Dyche does or what Tony Pulis does or what Sam Allardyce does and play four, you know, put centre-halves at full-back and three holding midfielders in front of them and say, right, go on, then break us down because you'll end up with 50 points and finish eighth. Mm. So you need defenders who can cope mm. on their own. Like, not yeah. just Arsenal, it goes for all the top six, yeah. really. Giles, uh, I, know, I know you're quite a big fan of Kaladu Koulibaly, who, mm. of course, Arsenal will be facing in the Europa League. Do you think he's a no, realistic target? No, he's three figures, isn't he? He's 100 plus. I think 100 plus? I think, I think Napoli said something like, you know, you're going to have to spend something like that. Is, yeah, they sent to an English club, it's got about 125 mil. So yeah, anything outside Italy, anyone outside Italy is going to pay. 125 mil, yeah, I think that's easy. what they said. The, would you pay more if you were Italian? No, less. they wouldn't let us. Why, why would you say clause or something? They, oh, got, they got 90 million a few years ago for Higuain, didn't mm. they, from yeah. Juventus? True, so, yeah. with inflation and the fact he's probably a bit younger than Higuain was mm. then. Yeah, he's 27. Yeah, it, 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 I, think it, it probably is I, I don't figures. think that's a realistic possibility. I like Umtiti, but as I've said, I've maintained all along, he hasn't had that knee operation, that the um, ACL operation, and that worries me because I think mm. Umtiti, at his best, is one of the best defenders in Europe. And if we can get him for 60 mil, I'm all for it, yeah. but if he's if he's not coming at 100, percent that happened to uh, Manuel Petit, didn't it? Yeah, he refused to have a knee operation. Yeah. He was never quite the same again. Never quite the same. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, a, a year or two ago, Titi was he probably was the number one stroke two defender in Europe. There's something about the strategy of 
sitting with a big a begging bowl at the top table, waiting for Barcelona and Real Madrid to mm. sell players, I don't quite like. Mm. Um, but I isn't that it, the reality of the situation? But I would rather see Arsenal take a few more slight gambles on mm. younger talent that can develop and can be sold to Barcelona or Real Madrid <laughs> than that. Don't get me wrong, like Alexis Sanchez was was very good for a couple of seasons. Meza Ozil's been, but not to reopen that debate, been very good. In the, iso- in the isolated cases, I, you know, it's worth pursuing. But I just worry, particularly with Raul and he's got links to Barcelona and to a number of the, the super agents, that it doesn't become a little bit of a jobs for the boys, for want of a, a better expression. Um. Yeah. Who, who else or, or do you put in that calibre of world-class centre-half you know that we can get? I mean, this is the thing. That's the thing. I'm not really Manchester United need a yeah. centre-half. Yeah. yeah. Tottenham, Alvaro would go, they're going to need a centre-half. Chelsea probably need another centre-half. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a... And they all know they all know that Premier League is where the money is. Exactly. So, so they, and yeah. Liverpool, I'll be honest, you, probably want to get another centre-half to compliment Van Dijk. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, it depends on yeah. You said you, you, the point you made about whether we, if we can get back into Champions League, it opens That's up massive. a lot more possibilities. Yeah, it right? does. Because I think three years outside of Champions League is hard to start talk. It's hard to sort of like start um, um, your your you pre- presenting your your project to a yeah. potential signing yeah. is pretty difficult. You know, so getting into Champions League is one thing. How we spend that money? Because apparently there's ways you can spend forty or fifty million, you know, over a, you know two or three seasons and whatnot. Means that you could probably get a sixty or seventy million pound player. There are players out there. There's that the who's two defenders. Who's the one at Getafe? Um, I can't remember his name. He's a midfielder, no, isn't he? Midfielder, yeah, yeah. He's a centre half. Yeah, he went to watch him. Apparently, oh, the no, oh, the, the Janey or the, yeah. the I think Ivory Co- you're from the Ivory Coast. I think you were going to say, Giles, the two at Red Bull Leipzig. That's the one. Those are the two. Yeah, Carno and Cognate. That's the one. Exactly. I mean, if you want, if you want to speculate a bit and sort of like, you know. Develop and, and I think Okamakano is one of the guys. Next, the next step he's going to make is to a big club. Yeah, you know. And I think we got to go get in there. And that kind of talent. Could Arsenal be that club? Well, whoever they get in the summer, they will be without Socrates against Watford. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Andy from the Hornets Nest podcast to find out how the Hornets will set up. This is Love Sport. That's right, it's that time of the show where we turn our attentions to Arsenal's next opponent. Those of you listening will be delighted to hear that Charlie East has just uttered the phrase, we're going to win the league, uh, (laughs) which is exciting and positive and everything we're about here at the Arsenal Fan Show. But before we get carried away, there is the small matter of Watford away to deal with. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Andy from the Hornets Nest podcast and, of course, Love Sport's very own Watford Fan Show. Evening, Andy. Thanks ever so much for joining us. First of all, what a result in the FA Cup. Yeah, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I still I can't quite believe it, really. I think I've only just uh, my heart rate's only just calmed down after that final fifteen minutes of extra time. Um, I just left the ground speechless yesterday. What a what an incredible day to be a Watford fan that was. And yeah, I was I was on the phone to uh, Jake last night um, during the show, and he asked me about you know whether we want to finish seventh. And to be honest, I just just don't care. What a day that was to be a Watford fan. Hi Andy, firstly mate, congratulations. I mean, thoroughly deserved in the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Troy Deeney. Um, 
Is he is he a Watford legend now? Is he or statue he at the is. ground? Um, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe not on uh, not on statue level just yet. Um, we've only just put up a statue of Graham Taylor, uh, <laughs> um, so I, you've got to go some way to uh, to be on the same level as Graham Taylor. Um, but legendary status, yes, absolutely. You know, after everything that's happened in in Troy's past, obviously he's um, you know spent a, a, a couple of months in uh, in jail and shortly after he arrived at Watford that's you know well documented and the way he's um, adapted after that and how he's uh, you know he got given a second chance at Watford under under Zola and he took that took that with both hands uh, and the way he's uh, changed himself and his attitude has been um, exceptional um, and the way he's gone about it on the pitch as well you know he's he's been under several head coaches um, he's not he'll have admit himself he's not the most skillful player uh, in the world but it's the leadership that he brings uh, to the squad and you know only one person's ever captained Watford in an FA Cup final and come May 18th Troy is going to be uh, one of two one of two men to do that so legendary status absolutely. Hi Andy Gerard Delefeu was the hero yesterday and he's not been slow in coming forward before that game about the fact he wants to play a little bit more uh, and had a few pointed words about the manager. If Watford fans are anything like Arsenal fans, they'll have taken a side in this argument. How how do they view it? Um, do they take Delafoe's side, or uh, has there been sympathy for Gracia? I think we take we take Gracia's side. Uh, the majority of people. Um, it, it's it's a tricky one because if we go by on Tuesday night, certainly the first half, Delafoe didn't really didn't really do anything, and he got substituted at half time for mm. Gray, and Gray came on and completely changed the game. And the last, uh, I think, the last four games at home, Gray's uh, Gray's had an impact um, coming off the bench. He scored the winner in the last, uh, I think, before Tuesday, the last three games at home, um, mm. and so that he Gray was, you know, rightfully so, knocking on the door saying, "I should be starting this FA Cup final." Jerry wasn't really putting in the performances and so I was a little bit concerned yesterday when I saw the uh, when I saw the team sheet um, and Gray was starting because I felt if the Gray-Dini combination wasn't going to work I didn't think Delafay would have that impact coming off the bench and you know I'm happily to have been proven horrendously wrong on this occasion because um, usually Gray Gray is that impact is that impact stuff he's the guy to give us a bit of momentum uh, when he comes off to give us a bit of intensity and you know, roles roles reversed. I think Jerry's kind of just proved his point, saying, you know, I should be starting. So it's it's great to have that competition in the squads, but I think ultimately we we trust what Javi uh, what Javi decides. Um, but we weren't, you know, great deserved a start based on his recent performances. I think. Hi, mate. Um, Giles here. What has Javi Gracia brought to the club since he's arrived? I mean, you've had a high turnover of. Of managers head coach from Matarazzi, Dice, there's a long list. I think Marco Silva was there as well. What has he done? What has he brought to your team, your club, your fans that um, have really sort of like ingratiated him with your, with your fan base? I think he's brought a bit of unity back. Um, you know, the last couple of seasons uh, under Mazzari and Silva, we just felt such, there was just such a disconnect between. Uh, the squads, um, the management, and the uh, and the fans, and especially at a club like Watford, uh, that unity is so uh, integral. That community aspect of the club, which Graham Taylor instilled in um, when he uh, when he was manager back in the 70s and 80s, um, and you know the back end of last season when Javi came in after Silver was sacked was was difficult. Um, he was working with a lot of injuries, a lot of suspensions. Um, he didn't have a transfer window, and uh, you know. 
we have a lot of fans forums throughout the year and we all ask the players, you know, what's different between, because we've kept the same squads, you know, what's what's different between this season and last? And a lot of them go, oh, it's all, it's all down to the to the pre-season. And I think part of that is, is the way Javi's, uh, you know, managed to gel the squad together, but also how he's interacted with the supporters. Um, you know, he's always got time for, for fans, especially the younger, the younger generation. Um, he's sort of embodying what is good about everything that's good about Watford Football Club and the fans really uh, really respect that and really appreciate that and I think we can, we can see that the, the players on the pitch enjoy playing for him and the fans enjoy the football that they're watching so he's uh, he's got the right combination of, uh, of things so far long may it continue Andy, how do the Watford fans view Arsenal coming up to a game against the Gunners what's the perception what's the expectation? Um, definitely winnable I think uh, there's no reason why I don't think we should be scared uh, of Arsenal I think you know we've got two games left against the so-called big six and if you were to pick two fixtures from that you'd probably pick to play Arsenal at home given their um, fairly fairly poor away record for a side like Arsenal um, you know we've coming off the back of one of the greatest days in our in our club's history um, there's no reason why we should be afraid of, of any team in this league uh, we've you know our record against the big six isn't great this season but if you take away you know we got thumped 5-0 by Liverpool but actually apart from that result we've been we've been competitive in all of those fixtures you know at the Emirates earlier in the season yes we lost 2-0 but actually for the majority of the game we were the better side we just weren't weren't quite clinical enough on the day um and so I think it's a it's an excellent chance for us I think to sort of you know we're still challenging for seventh spot so it's a great chance to sort of put our put our name out there and say you know we're not going to be we're not going to be pushed around. I know we know we've been and we've had poor results against the bigger sides, but they don't they didn't do us do us justice on how we've been performing. So it's a you know another night under the lights of Vicarage Road and hopefully uh, three points for the Orns. <laughs> Andy, um, obviously with yesterday, and I see an interview with Deanie afterwards saying about let's not look worry about looking forward. Let's enjoy this moment for the club the size we are, which I make him 100% right with. Do you think maybe it might be a little bit of a hangover? Um, from yesterday's result, from maybe sort of maybe take a bit too much out of the players. I just think they'd be fully on it for Monday night and maybe not looking I mean, forward to the final. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a possibility of that happening because obviously we played an extra an extra half an hour this weekend, and but I think that's kind of what what won us the game almost in the end. Our fitness levels compared to Wolves were just we were you could just see it towards the end. Our, our players were still. We're still chasing down loose balls in the final sort of ten minutes, and Wolves just look so lethargic. Um, so I don't, I don't really think fitness will be too much of an issue because we've got we've got a full week to recover. Um, it's it's difficult to know what's going on in the players' heads now, isn't it? Whether players don't want to pick up a, a serious injury with a month to go before an FA Cup final, or whether they'll be thinking, you know, this is my chance to got what six games left in the league to sort of cement your place in that in that uh, FA Cup final squad. I hope it's the latter. Um, I think there was a bit of that in the first half on Tuesday against Fulham. You know, we looked really tentative, we looked really slow. Um, players possibly with the FA Cup semi-final on their mind, and then second half, they obviously had a bit of a, a bit of a talking to at half time. So it it'll be interesting. I think if we are going to experience uh, not necessarily a hangover, but players maybe concentrating more so on the final, I think we're more likely to see that towards the end of the season. Now we've got six games. um, I think it's six left in the, left in the league. And 
Javi is very, um, what's the word, uh, organised and structured, I guess, very, you know, take each game as it comes. Um, so I think, like Troy said, you know, we'll have this moment, we'll enjoy this day. The finals on the 18th of May, we've got six games before that. Let's just focus on Arsenal. Uh, forget about the final, we'll try to. I'm not sure how anyone can forget about an FA Cup final, but there you go. Uh, try and forget about it. We've got Arsenal next up, and I think that's got to be the mentality going forward for the final where, few games. Where have you struggled? I mean, at home, you're, where, where's your, where are you weak? Where have you seen weaknesses in your home form? If there is any weakness for Arsenal, a team like Arsenal who's been struggling on the road, where do you think they should exploit? Well, I don't really want to tell you because you, you probably part it. Part I've got it a direct off. line to Emery. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I think we 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 can be more clinical. Um, you know, whilst we beat Fulham a poor Fulham side four one, there you, we saw in the first half yesterday. You know, we do we we can waste chances. There have been games this season where, like at the Emirates earlier in the season, we we got punished for not taking our chances. Um, I do think our um, our backline isn't as good as some of the other defences outside the big six. Um, I hate that phrase, big six, but you know we all know what we're, what we're talking about. Um, I'd, so I, I do think that's that's our frailty. And if we don't if we don't take take our chances, I do think um, a team like Arsenal will will punish us. So hopefully we're um, we're on top form and they've uh, they've got their shooting boots on Monday night. Andy, with that in mind, how do you think it's going to go? I need a score prediction from you, please. Oh, right. Well, I'll happily take a point. Um, but I think <laughs> a, night, a night under the lights, uh, just reached an FA Cup final, I'm going to go for a confident 3-1 Watford win. <laughs> <laughs> and you just lost all popularity in the studio. But Andy, it's been lovely. You had a good night last night, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, still, I'm still a little bit drunk. <laughs> Andy, lovely speaking to you. Andy there from the Hornets Nest and, of course, Love Sports' very own Watford Fan Show, which you can listen to every Sunday night with Jake Watson. Stay with us here on the Arsenal Fan Show because coming up, we'll decide how Arsenal should approach that game. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And coming up for the Gunners, well, OK, it's Napoli, but there is also the matter of Watford away from home. We were hearing there from Andy of the Hornets Nest, who reckons it will be a comfortable 3-1 win for them. I'm not quite so sure about that. In terms of stopping that happening, in terms of getting those three points, how should Arsenal approach the game? We started. We started the first five minutes against what um, Everton was good. We just got. To, we got to keep that intensity up. And as, as he said, their back line isn't great. No. Is vulnerable. It's gettable. I think there'll be goals in the game. Yeah. I, think, I think. I think. it's going to be quite a high. I don't score think we're going to. I. I would love to say we could keep them out, but no, we're not I've just got not. I've not. Especially with no so about yeah. Socrates, I don't yeah. think we've got any chance of that. But I think play two up front. Start with Bamiang. Start with Lacazette. It's just gets people feeling the ball and a bit of intensity mm. working for the front maybe get a wobble on there a bit of energy up there Ramsey mm-hmm. we've got to go for that we've got to try and be on their murder doors we've mm. got to test them see stop are oh, you thinking about the cup final let's see how they are and Dan I remember an article from you a few weeks ago we talked about the early goal yeah and how it affects games mm-hmm. you know and it decides games pretty early doesn't it I mean if yeah we... yeah particularly with Arsenal yeah. at the moment yeah. um, the sort of the question that was asked there was were Arsenal scoring well uh, scoring early because they were playing well or playing well because they were scoring early is a, is a tricky one to answer. Uh, I think it helps, you know, Arsenal's defence. You saw the chances conceded on a counter at, at Everton. As soon as you have the lead and you can sit and protect, it's so much easier. Um, 
I think we have to avoid falling into the uh, Kapui uh, Decore trap as well. I think what, what of getting kicked to pieces. I, I think Watford are very good. I think they're they're up there in the numbers actually in this at uh, turning the ball over yeah, and winning the ball back in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, and they show you in they show you in field and then bang they're straight yeah. into you. So I think we have to be very wary about that checking our shoulders and we might have to play. You know, a few of those midfield players might have to take a few less touches and just bump yeah. it off back yeah. to the centre back out and go again. Yeah. Um, because I think Watford are quite good at that. But not to dwell too much on Watford, I do I do think quite a lot does depend on on what sort of state they're in and how they approach the game. Yeah. Um, when you get that relaxation in a team at the end of the season, it can go one or two ways. They can be a bit carefree and and you know all of a sudden maybe create a little bit more than they usually do, or they can be a bit uh, laxadaisical and slack. Um, and I would we'll just have to wait. And see. I would have rather played them in midweek. Well, they're still thinking about, you know, still, you know, their head's still a bit light, but they've got a full week, or well, eight days actually, mm. you know, to recover and get their mind straight for Arsenal. I yeah, just... well, that, that can be a bit too long for them to do it as well. I think it could be a bit sort of, oh, Arsenal, so it's a week away, week away, mm. then boom, it's on them. The weekend's there, and then it's on them. Do you know what I mean? So I think if we get a positive result against Napoli on Thursday night, yeah. we're going to that with good confidence, we'll be okay. If we struggle against Napoli, I think I think we're ever struggle with it. I think before Newcastle, I thought Arsenal needed six wins from eight. I thought six wins from eight gets them to 78 points. And if you don't get in the top four with 78 points, you're a little bit unlucky. Yeah. And that and that allowed for maybe getting a, an extra one or two points. Uh, and so, you know, with that in mind and the Everton loss, it's five wins from six now. So yeah. there's that little bit added focus focus on this game. So I think it is, it is pretty much a must-win game. And in terms of the danger man for Watford, who worries you? I mean, I, we saw that goal from Delafeo. The second goal was quite something to win it, but the first, that chip, is just it extraordinary. Look, it looks like Javier Graffio goes either Gray or Delafeo. You know, um, so I would rather see Gray than Delafeo to be honest. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I would um, as well. Because I think he's, he's 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 got a lot of energy, but he does waste. He's not very he's not very secure with the ball. I think you know, but and he's a bat. They are battering mans. But I think De La Feo's got that bit of cuteness. He's got that. Yeah, you know. I think their midfield four are pretty good as well. Mm. They play quite narrow. Uh, they have Hughes off the right and Pereira, Pereira off the left. The left yeah. uh, I think they actually played a diamond yesterday. Mm. But they're quite, you know, they're compact and they're all quite good on the ball. Uh, and a- outside the top six, then Leicester, you know, that midfield is pretty, pretty good. You know, Pereira was at Juventus. Uh, Hughes was linked with Liverpool a few years ago. Capua has been at Spurs. Decore's been, you know, linked with all the top six clubs. So and PSG, it's, it's a pre- very heavy. Yeah, it's a pretty useful sort of uh, department that midfield. We will definitely have to be on our toes then. Yeah, definitely have to be. If that's if, if that's their tactic, is to funnel us inside and yeah. but break down. I think their defence is their. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's their defence. Yeah. That's, that's their weak point. We need to, I think, take the game. Yeah, you look look at the names on paper at the centre backs, and it's not particularly impressive. That might be a slightly snobbish. Arsenal mm. fan speaking, but you look at Cathcart and people like that. Yeah. I'm sure they've been good, good servants, good stalwarts for them. But you, you think, We've yeah, if you, if you get a bit of movement in and around them, you can get you can get some change out. Of them. There is also that question of how the Watford players think about the Arsenal players. There was, of course, that famous incident mm. where Troy Deeney made his comment about Cajones and Hector Bellerin wasn't chuffed. They will be looking to get in Arsenal's faces. They'll be looking to get in Arsenal's heads. How do you think the players can control that? I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big. I mean, a lot of Arsenal fans don't like Deeney because that the exact comment, what he said then and what he said yesterday. I, I think he's just one of the most honest people in football when he says it as is, because what he said realistically, 
in previous time we have not had no cojones and we do go to some place and we've and slipped it, up the bottom line is if Troy Deeney thinks that he thinks that yeah. if yeah. he thinks it is true yeah. we can sit and argue and say no I don't think that's right I don't yeah. think that's right but if in his head he thinks that then he's, he's got the psychological edge and yeah. he's telling um, these players that as yeah. well yeah. it's a bit like the football's coming home thing with Croatia you know, when they said uh, we didn't like England singing that song and everyone went, oh, well, that's a load of rubbish. But if Croatia really thought that mm. and they used that as motivation, then in a sense it was true, regardless of where it was or it wasn't. Yeah. Um, he's just, he just loves playing against us, doesn't he? <laughs> he loves playing he is, against us. I think he is an Arsenal fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's, 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 he's son's an Arsenal fan. fan. So, and he loves, yeah. that's one of the reasons he loves playing against us. So he can yeah, suck, yeah. It to his, suck it to his son. But... Um, we're gonna have to be, we're gonna honest, be on it. yeah. And I think I, you're right in terms of the t- intensity and playing, for, but playing fast, not dwelling on the ball, mm. quick transitions, tri- triangles, get 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 it up there as quickly as possible. It's going to be really, really for important. me. I don't know if he'll start that game. I don't think he will. Yeah. No, it's not an Urtzel game, and Definitely. he will probably be wearing a coat. Whether or not he throws it will be <laughs> will remain to be seen, gents. It's that part of the show where quickly I need your score predictions. Giles, what are you saying? I can't remember what I predicted a few weeks ago, but I'm... You can do a new one. Uh, a draw. A draw? Okay. Dan? I'm going to say Arsenal scab out a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. I'm Wonderful. Going, I'm going for the same 2-1. Same 2-1. So Andy from the Hornets Nest, he went 3-1 Watford. No one's having it. A 2-1 win for Arsenal with Mesut Ertzel's coat still firmly on. Join us next week on the Arsenal... Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. National Fan Show.